When our Lord Jesus taught us to pray, the disciples asked him to. He taught what's called the Lord's Prayer. You can read that Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, going through it, petition by petition, part by part. And this afternoon we're Matthew 6, verse 10, the first part, your kingdom come. The church asks, what is the second petition? In Lord's Day 48, in the book of praise, that's on page 561, the church answers, your kingdom come. That is, so rule us by your word and spirit that more and more we submit to you. Preserve and increase your church. Destroy the works of the devil, every power that raises itself against you, and every conspiracy against your holy word. Do all this until the fullness of your kingdom comes, wherein you shall be all in all. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, sometimes we just want to escape all the tedium of life, stress, suffering, and sorrows. And I think the COVID-19 pandemic has made these feelings even stronger. But I'm pretty sure that even before COVID-19, we've had times when we were wishing for a life without disappointments, without criticism, without responsibility, and where we could just relax, kind of like we do on vacation. And often when we pray for Jesus to come back, we fall into this escape type thinking. And as a result, many people think that the prayer your kingdom come is like asking God to rescue us from the stress and sorrow or to let our relaxing eternal vacation begin soon. And when we think in this way, we fail to see that the kingdom of God is already here. You see, when the Bible talks about the kingdom of heaven, it doesn't mean a faraway place but it is talking about where God's eternal rule and kingship is recognized by people here on the earth. The kingdom of heaven is wherever Christ is worshipped as king. This also means that the saving kingdom of God comes with responsibilities, both here on the earth and also forever in heaven, no matter what situation we may find ourselves in. The church is not a place to escape from the world. Members of Christ's body cannot hide behind claims of belonging to a spiritual kingdom in order to try and avoid their calling today in the place where God has set them. When Christ returns, he won't take, off, take you off the task of loving God. He won't bring an end to your self-sacrificial service of your neighbor you've been created to offer. Rather, he will allow you to worship God and love your neighbor even more fully with, with all that you are, because it will be continual service without the hindrance of sin and the crippling consequences of the fall. This is what we pray for, this fullness in the second petition. When Christ returns, every faithful subject of his kingdom will be able to see the fullness of service, love, and loyalty that we pray for 
in the second petition. And I preach to you the gospel under the following theme, our eternal King Jesus Christ is coming soon. We pray that we may remain faithful to his word, separated from his enemies, and prepared for his coming. In Revelation chapter 22, verse 7, the Lord Jesus says, And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. The Lord Jesus connects his coming to faithfulness to scripture. Revelation 22, verses 18 to 19, clarify that keeping the words of this book means not adding to the words of scripture and not taking away from this book of prophecy. Similar instruction given by the Lord in Deuteronomy 4, verse 2, and Proverbs 3, verses 5 to 6, make it clear that the Lord is not just speaking about the book of Revelation, but about every word that he has spoken. The word of God is the instrument that the Holy Spirit uses to bring us into the kingdom of God, to keep us within his kingdom. Jesus Christ, who is king of our eternal heavenly kingdom, he rules us by his word and spirit, submitting to the work of the Holy Spirit who guides us by his word is submitting to Jesus Christ, our king. The submission can be a difficult thing for us. It isn't so hard when we enjoy what he calls us to do, but it gets a lot, of, gets a lot harder when he calls us to do difficult things. This struggle in our human nature is perhaps exposed in our reaction to government decisions during this COVID-19 pandemic. Have you noticed that your willingness to submit to the authorities is less enthusiastic when their requirements actually cause inconvenience and discomfort to you? That is why Jesus Christ taught us to pray that we may be ruled by God's word, that we may submit willingly to what he says to us. And in this time, we could say including what he says to us in the fifth commandment. That is what it means to be faithful subject of God's kingdom today. O Lord, we pray, give us submissive hearts so that we are indeed ruled by your word and spirit and not by our desires and our emotions. Help us to pay attention to the Lord Jesus Christ who presents himself in verse 13 as the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, and then further in verse 16, to the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. He sent his angel to testify with words what it means to follow him as king. So what do we discover when we try to do what we pray for, when we try to be ruled by God's spirit and word? Well, after revealing all that, that all people revealed, that, that all people rebelled against their loving creator and deprived themselves of a life of love and peace, the Bible announces God's grace to us in Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus is saying, be ruled in your lives by the gospel 
of grace. The word of God is an announcement of the good news of the triune God's love for his creatures. It declares the forgiveness of sins and eternal life to everyone who believes in Jesus Christ. That is the message that we need to have ruling in our lives. And so when we pray the second petition, we are praying that we may believe the declaration, the gospel of God's love with so much confidence and certainty that it affects the way that we think and the way that we talk and the way that we work and the way that we play. When we pray that God's kingdom may advance in our own hearts, we are praying for such certainty and joy and the victory of Christ our King that it shines out from us. As we think of this day of prayer for the coronavirus, because of the coronavirus, it's that prayer that God's grace may shine out in our lives, that it may be ruled by his spirit and by his word. In Revelation 22, verse 9, the angel speaking to John made it clear that those who worship God are distinguished from other people because they are servants who recognize the lordship of Christ and then it says, and who keep the words of this book. They are ruled by God's spirit and word. And when we pray the second petition, we pray that when our Lord Jesus comes, he will find people whose lives are ruled by this truth, by this gospel message, and whose faith sets them apart from all his enemies. We see that in our second point. We pray that we may be separated from Christ's enemies. The Lord Jesus gathers the subjects, is gathering the subjects of his eternal saving kingdom in the church. The church is the assembly of believers who have been washed clean of all their sins by the blood of Jesus Christ because they believe and trust in him. The church is the body of Christ in which God dwells by his Holy Spirit. And everyone who believes in God and has the Holy Spirit will voluntarily join themselves to God's congregation, to his church. When Christ's kingdom grows, so does the church. And this means that our prayer for the coming of the kingdom is closely related to our prayer for the church. Again, we see how this calls us to responsibilities today. We're not just praying for an escape in the future, but also for the church today. The church and the kingdom of God are very closely related, but they are not identical. Not everyone in the church here on earth is also necessarily a part of Christ's eternal kingdom. Our Lord Jesus was addressing churches when he promised in verse 12 to repay each one for what he has done. And so he made it clear that as it was among the Jewish nation, you can read about in Matthew 8, for example, so also among our church membership, there are some who are outside of the kingdom of God. Our Lord Jesus taught us that there are hypocrites who are within the church but are not truly members of Christ's body. 
There are people who participate in worship services in a building or via live stream somewhere and may even be recognized members of a Christian church but who refuse to be servants of King Jesus Christ. And in the second petition, we pray that we may be sincere servants, separated and preserved from such wolves among the sheep, as Paul refers to them in Acts chapter 20, or those blots and blemishes in the church that entice unsteady souls, as we read about in 2 Peter chapter 2, those who spread like yeast in a batch of dough, they spread lies like yeast in a batch of dough, like Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 5. We pray that we may not be those, but that we may be separated from such enemies of Christ's body and his church. So what makes members of Christ's body stand out from the rest of the world? What's, what's the difference? In Revelation 22, verses 14 to 15, you can look closely, you'll see the distinction that is made is not the distinction between sinners and non-sinners. But the distinction is between those who confess their sins, repent, and are forgiven, and those who do not repent because they love and practice falsehood. The church is the assembly of those who are turning away from sin, who are washing their robes in the blood of Jesus Christ in their faith. The church also prays that many might turn to Jesus Christ. As he announced that he is coming soon, our ascended Lord also repeated that ancient command to come to him. We read about that already in Isaiah 55. And again in John 7, verse 37. And we read in verse 17, The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. And the, let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Christ church prays that his call may be heeded and that many more people who hunger and thirst for righteousness may set themselves free from the lies and the slavery of the evil one and bow their knees before their Lord. This is a real important part of our prayers today in this day of prayer. Since our Lord has announced that he is coming soon, that need, that desire for sincerity within the church and submission to God among those who presently are outside the church, it's increasingly urgent. So we pray that we may be prepared for his coming. Verse 20 announces in Revelation 22, verse 20, He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. There's urgency in that declaration, some of the last words of Scripture. I am coming soon. Now you may ask, what does he mean? It's soon. That was over 1,900 years ago that Jesus first comforted the church with these words. And although, although we know that for the Lord a day is like a thousand years, 
We also know that God is not trying to deceive us when he uses the word soon in Revelation 22, verse 20, or in other promises of the Lord's coming, he uses words like near, at the door, almost here, and approaching. So to understand what soon means, we need to understand that in the scriptures, the period between Pentecost and the return of Christ is called the last days. We are living in the last days, says scripture. Because God does not need to do any more work to obtain redemption for us. Christ completed his redeeming work. The Holy Spirit dwells in our hearts to give us new life. Death has lost its sting. And the only thing left for God to do is to come and to bear the final harvest home. The next time God appears to the world, it will be to judge the living and the dead. And no one knows when that day is coming, but we do know that it is the next thing to happen. And so we look at it always as a day that is coming soon, as our Lord Jesus told us. It's a day that's on our minds. It's the theme of the family visits this year. And upon hearing the announcement of their Lord, Revelation 22, verse 20, the people of God respond, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Those who've come when he called us to come, now call to him that he might come. We, we long for the day when the fullness of the kingdom is here. And God will be all in all. And so we are preparing our hearts to receive Jesus Christ already now. And that prayer, amen, come, Lord Jesus, expresses that desire. And yet when we pray those words, we need to think about the consequences. What is it that we are asking for? And it makes us think about our neighbors. Part of preparing for Christ's coming in the future is to show compassion to our neighbors who do not know the Lord right now. When we pray, come Lord Jesus, we think, of, we think of them, we think of the consequences for the unbelieving neighbors and family members. What would happen to them if Jesus did come as we prayed today? What if I were to go to your neighbor's house? What if I were to tell your neighbor that you, as a neighbor, are praying for Jesus Christ to come back? And what if I explained to your neighbor that with this prayer, you were expressing the desire for the day when only those who serve the Lord would inhabit the earth? What would your neighbor think? Would your neighbor would your neighbors be able to, to tell me that they know that you are praying for this, but they also know that you as an individual don't want them to suffer eternal condemnation? Would they be able to say that they have heard the call of Christ to come to him for salvation and life in these urgent times, these last days? When we pray, 
that God's kingdom may come. And we ask the Lord, like we confess it in our public documents, we, we, we ask the Lord, destroy the works of the devil. Every power that raises itself against you and every conspiracy against your holy word. That's, that's what we pray. That's what we confess. When we confess that, we see that it brings a great responsibility toward those who are raising themselves up against the Lord. And we see how this prayer, if it is a sincere desire, will have consequences for those around us. Do you see how important it is for us to repeat Christ's promise to come to him so that when he comes, we may all be ready to receive him? The Lord, we read in 2 Peter 3, verse 9, the Lord is patient, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But his patience is not a time for us to stand idly by while others are in such a dangerous position. And how are you preparing this world for Christ's coming? And as we, we think of the, the pandemic, as our minds and our, our thoughts and our prayers are on, on what the Lord is doing in the world today, the question becomes even, even more urgent. Are we making use of this present pandemic or, or these present climate change fears or, or those who are so fearful of the end of the world? Are we asking our neighbors questions? about the reasons they might have for their fears, their expectations after death. Are we sharing Christ's call to come to him so that we do not need to be destroyed? Do you pray regularly for your neighbors, for the conversion of those who do not believe in Jesus Christ? Do you love your neighbor enough to do this? And as we pray for the coming of the kingdom, we realize that we are asking the Lord to use us in service in the advance of his kingdom, which is advancing today. We pray that we may be faithful soldiers in the battle against sin and its consequences, rather than cowards who try to escape down into our underground war bunker where we know that we will be safe as we wait to be rescued from this tiresome and hostile world. We pray your kingdom come. We pray that we may be useful servants who show love to their neighbor. But even more importantly, who truly love God and desire to see his glory. By giving us the second petition, teaching us to, to pray these things, the Lord Jesus teaches us to, to long for the day when the Most Holy God receives all the honor and the glory that is due His name, when every creature in heaven and on earth are bowing before Him as King. We pray this because we love our triune we don't want Christ to come back because it will be like a holiday for us. But we want him to return so that our Holy Father 
may receive pure, unending, and wholehearted praise from his grateful serving subjects. We desire this of ourselves. We desire this of our neighbors. We desire this for the glory of God. We pray for Jesus to come because we love God. We want to see him worshipped as completely as possible. The beautiful promises in Revelation 21 and 22, the, the picture that is given is a picture of a time when all sin and all the consequences of the fall are, are no longer hindering the worship of God alone, not even the distractions of angels as John encountered. Everyone before the throne worshiping, using hearts and hands and heads to actively serve God and serve their neighbor. This is the picture that we pray for. Come, Lord Jesus. O oh, Father in heaven, may the worship of your name increase among the population of the world today until that day when Jesus returns. And it is the only way to live life that will be known in all God's creation. Amen.